that there's sometimes where we're confronted with uh, a criticism, we're confronted with something that is brought to our attention that perhaps we, we don't agree with or perhaps is a, is a bit of a, a shock to us. And uh, yet we, what we see is, is the Bible deals with that kind of situation right through the Scriptures. And uh, I want to say right from the beginning that criticism is part and parcel of life. All of us here will face it at some point. No one's immune to it. Um, it's been said that the measure of a person's character, though, is how they handle criticisms and compliments. You know, we, we, have, uh, we, can, we have to deal well with both. And we understand that we have to die to criticism as well as die to compliments. But what we find is that criticisms can be the most crippling. And so I want to help you tonight because really this is a crucial part of the Christian life. It's critical to us as individuals. It's critical in, in how we deal with it. In, as we set an example for our children, it's, it's clear that uh, even in, in any kind of leadership, when we face criticism, um, there's, there's, a, there's a way that you teach through how you respond to that. And I'm, I'm going to be very frank with you tonight. I think the reason why God led me to this is because, to be honest with you, I don't deal with criticism very well. Anyone else like me? Okay, a few of you. That's good. The rest are, uh, are spiritually mature enough to handle it. But the reality is, you know, all of us face that, right? And, and I'm just being honest with you, there's been, been many times where I didn't handle criticism biblically. And I've responded in a way that, to be honest with you, hasn't pleased God. And so I want to grow in this area, and I thought, you know, for us as, as, as a church, us, us as, um, you know, as family members, even in those kind of relationships, we want to be able to handle criticism correctly. And I, I want to talk about criticism and, and really dealing with problem people, but more specifically than that, dealing with people who are well-intended, but somehow find themselves to become a problem. Uh, you know, dealing with angry or critical people, it's not often taught from, a, from balance or understanding. And so there tends to be a focus on preventing problem people, which we'll look at in, in later in the series, but not deal with our own responses to it. And, and th that's where I want to start tonight. Because really what's more important than, than trying to recognize them in our lives is really how we respond to it. Would you agree tonight that none of us here could control what a critic will say? None of us. But we can control how we respond to critical people. And so it's important to start there, I think, as we consider this. And so let's look at a situation here in the life of, of David in 2 Samuel chapter 16. And notice with me verse 5. And when King David came to Bahurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul. If you know the, the history of that, the, those two households have been warring and, and really Saul initiating that. And then David then being in the crosshairs of Saul all these years, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And so you imagine King David here, he's, he's going into this city called Bahurim. And, and what we find is this character by the name of Shimei, the household of, of Saul, was was throwing insults and other things at David. And he cast stones, notice that in verse 6, at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. 
And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial. What an accusation towards David, the one who is the, the king, the one who is the man after God's own heart. Notice there, the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned, and the Lord hath uh, delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And so you know that this was a tumultuous time already in the reign of David. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai the son of Zeruiah unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And if you know a little bit about, um, about Abishai, he actually could do that. And so he was on David's side. He said, look, let me, let, me, let me take care of this issue for you. Let me chop this guy's head off. Now, I, I don't know about you. I'd like a bodyguard just like that, wouldn't you? I would like that. But, but notice what happens. Notice David. And the king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And the Lord said to Abishai, and, to, and David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son which came forth of my bowels seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? And he's saying, My own son is against me right now. So don't be surprised. He's almost saying, Don't be surprised that this other fella who's not part of my family, he's actually on the opposite side of it, it is now against me. He says, let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction. Notice that. And the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. As David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. And the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. So notice the, the, the story there. David was already in a situation that was a bit tumultuous. It was already a troubling time for David. And, and you know this, how the saying goes, when it rains, it pours. And so there, right in the middle of, of already an unstable time in David's life, the last thing he needed was a critic. The last thing he needed was someone cursing him and, and saying these things, but but there's, there's an attitude, I think, that we need to see in David that we need to apply in our own lives. And, and what we see in David's life is, is really a, a model for us on how we ought to respond to critics, how we ought to respond to those that, that want to uh, say things against us. And, and the reality is, you know, and we won't focus on this tonight, but, you know, there's an outworking of well-intended but problem people. You understand who they are. Firstly, you can't always tell by looking at them. Some are as obvious as Shimei, throwing rocks and cursing. In fact, many times they're much more subtle than that. You can't even tell by listening straight away. They're identified by how they say it rather than what they say. They're speaking something against, and we understand that speaking something against another thing is not a sin in itself. Uh, again, someone who, is, uh, who loves you may say something that is hard to hear and critical. Remember the scripture, faithful are the wounds of a friend. So we understand that it, in it of itself isn't a wrong thing. Uh, but we understand, that, though, that it's sometimes it's not what they say, it's how they say it. And, and I, I, again, confess that at times I have a sensitivity to this. 
um, at times when I've, I've been given uh, a, a sort of a, a communication about what's, what's wrong or what's, what could be better, that I've taken it wrongly. And, and again, I'm, not, I'm saying here this evening that I'm no expert in this in the sense of I've never uh, misstepped in this way. What I am saying is all of us will have to deal with it, but guess what? How we deal with it, we'll give an account to God. And we'll, we'll, we have to respond rightly. And, and at times I've been too sensitive and just jumping on the what of, of that. And we must give people a hearing. You know, sometimes what we see is problem people say judgmentally and to vilify. They, they drop you a problem and then think you should deal with it in a certain way. Uh, it's like, you know, sometimes we have those who have a narrow view or are imbalanced. They, they convince others and, and even appear spiritual. You notice the, the, the way Shimei spoke here was as if he was saying this for the Lord. And so they sow discord by doubting uh, a, a person's competence, a person's credibility, a person's ministry or motive. And they sow discord in the family by undermining the spiritual leadership in the home. But really, their greatest damage is not direct opposition, and this is why it makes them so dangerous, because it, become, it can be subtle. It, it, it extinguishes morale over time and enthusiasm. They're the kind of people that make others not want to bring other people to church. They, they cause tension and even at times depression, and, and even at times they can cause pastors or leaders to quit and leaders to feel hopeless and doubt. And there are those times, but the reality is there's much to learn from David and from Scripture. And as I said, criticism is a part of life. It will happen because we're, we're really, at the end of it, we're in a spiritual battle. And we must understand that it will happen. We, we must understand that if we look at it at, at all negative and get defensive, what we do is we rob ourselves of the learning that criticisms and problems can bring. See, the Bible tells us in, in Proverbs chapter 17, if you quickly turn there, Proverbs 17, and look at verse, uh, verse 10. Notice what the Bible says, A reproof entereth more into a wise man than an hundred stripes into a fool. So reproof is really a, a, a negative perspective. It's a negative advice. It's, it's a negative He's saying there, a reproof, though, when it enters into a wise man is a good thing. And so, again, the way we respond to criticism is, is a way that, that again, you, we, if we don't respond to it correctly, then we rob ourselves of the learning. Look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119, look at verse 71. And notice what David said. It says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Remember, David said that said, it's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. And we rob ourselves of the learning we can get if we respond to criticism negatively. If we get defensive. He, he says, it's good for me, actually. Because then I understand some of the statutes, some of the things that you've given me to, to know. And, and some things are only learned through these kinds of experiences, and none of us like them. None of us like to be criticized. None of us like to be told of, of our shortcomings. 
None of us like that. But David's saying in the, in, in the Word of God, it's good for me that I've been afflicted. He welcomed it. He understood the value of it. And we're going to see that in David's response. And really how we handle criticism will go a long way to determining our success and joy, but ultimately whether or not we reach our potential for the Lord. And it is, it is said of, of General Eisenhower, who was a great American general, that he would not enact any strategy until he first found a man who vehemently argued against it. That way he could test his strategy for any holes that he might have missed. He, he welcomed the criticism. He, he didn't take it as a personal attack, but he took it as a necessary help to make him better. Actually, to make others better. And, and again, this is sort of counterintuitive to how we would respond. And, and we see that firstly here. Look at, uh, go back to Second Samuel 16 again. And what we see firstly is Abishai. We notice there that, that Shimei, uh, he... He criticized David and all that was happening. And then this, this character by the name of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah unto the king in verse 9, he says, let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. You know what um, Abishai represents? He represents our flesh. Our flesh just wants to react. Our, our flesh just wants to bite back. Our flesh just wants to say what, what that person deserves. But actually, it's the flesh. And nothing comes good of the flesh. And when we're faced with criticism, regardless of the circumstances or source, you know what we generally see is our flesh wants to react. We want to respond. When things are going bad, we normally do one of these three things. We look, firstly, we look for someone else to blame. We don't view that everything is under God's sovereignty. And so we go, well, it can't be God. This person must be bad. This person must not care. This person must just hate my guts. This person just probably just doesn't want to follow me. But that's the flesh. Uh, sometimes we respond by running away from our problems. Or we do what Abishai does and puts a stop to it. But you know what? He takes it in his power. And, and Abishai was ready to fight. He said, let's just cut it off. Let's just, let's just deal with it. But he wanted to do it through bloody means. And that's the flesh. And again, um, you don't have to go to any, uh, any lengths to, to even imagine how that is. All of us has reacted that way. I'm not, I'm not immune from that. There's probably some in this room I've responded that way too. And, and in, that, in, in, this, in those situations, we need to understand that we need to be guarded against any kind of fleshly response. See, others bury their head, ignore it, don't acknowledge it. They take the path of least resistance. And in that sense as well, what that happens is it alienates and piles up. It, it, it then is also damaging to especially leaders. And so you could either deal with it in a, in a fleshly manner and, and just without thought, or, or just bury your head and ignore it. But neither of them really are good long-term strategies. And really what we'll discuss later through the, this series is go through some strategies on how to deal with that biblically. All right? Um, 
And they certainly didn't mirror the Lord's spirit. But, but notice David then. David did neither. He, didn't, he, he neither dealt with it in a harsh manner, fleshly manner, nor did he deal with it from a, from a point of view of burying his head, of ignoring it, of hoping it goes away. All right, David did neither of those. He, he engaged in, in, the, in the argument, but he did it in, in a different way. Notice how he responded. Look at verse 10. Notice, notice what he said. He said, so, so let him curse. And, and notice what he, he did. It, really what he did was he told Abishai to put away his sword. He, he said, let, just, just wait a minute. So don't, don't, just, re, don't just react. All right? and, and he told Abishai to put away his sword. Okay? He, he said, don't, don't do it that way. So let him curse. And, and here's a point. David understood that he couldn't, he couldn't uh, win the, the argument there by returning evil for evil. He understood that he shouldn't fight fire with fire. And doesn't the Bible tells us, tell us a soft answer turneth away wrath? And yet, so many times, even in arguments between husband and wife, there's a, there's a, a quick retort there's a quick rebuttal. There's a quick rebuffing of the, of the criticism. And, and, you know, as many times we can be most sensitive to those that we love when they're the ones that, that suddenly say something that is a, a bit poking at a pain point. And yet David didn't respond that way. He didn't respond evil for evil. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, that we overcome evil with Good. And so the first thing, in, as we note David's response, is he told Abishai to put away his sword. Then what we note, secondly, is he brought God into it. He acknowledged that, that God, even in that situation, was working. And here's what we do oftentimes. We, we forget that in those moments we're in a spiritual battle, and it's in the realm of God, not just in the physical realm. You know, we tend to look at the face or look at the person, and we, we tend to just look at them as the one to blame. And yet, look at David's, David's um, spirit and attitude. He said, so let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him. Later on, he says, well, the Lord may have bidden him. And so he brought God into it. He brought the, the, the situation into the perspective of, of God. And what this did is it allowed him to evaluate more than just what was said or what has been said. He, he, he was wise enough that he sought and pondered and acknowledged God's allowance of this. You understand, David was God's man. You understand, David had the right of rule. You understand, David had authority here. And yet he was the one being criticized and yet he understood that God allowed it. Now, I don't know about you, but that's difficult to understand in the heat of the moment. In that moment where you just get that and it's not the, what you really want to hear at that point, you often just quick, you forget that God is in that. David understood that if the Lord had bidden him, then the Lord also could restrain him. And, and, and was, really. He could have done worse. And that Shimei's rocks can only hurt so much or travel so far 
has God's allowance in it. And so if, when we don't acknowledge God, what happens is it just becomes a free-for-all. It's a bit of a lucky dip. You know, the, the, the strongest wins, the strongest person with the loudest voice. But David, by acknowledging God's role in this, wins a victory that really Shimei couldn't. And the, the victory was this. It was the victory of contentment. And really, that's the battleground when we face criticism. We don't want to be, we don't want to accept our situation. And so really, the, the issue there is this. At that point, when you don't respond well, you've become discontent. But when we choose to respond as David responds, acknowledging God's part in it, then you know what he did? He got the victory of contentment. And so we see that there. Notice now verse 11. David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life, how much more now may this Benjamite do it. Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. And here's the, the, the third thing. He kept a perspective of the bigger picture. He acknowledged that he was already in a battle. He was already in a time of, of trouble. He was already in a time where there was real conflicts in his life. And so what he was saying to his men there, teaching them through his example, was, why are you surprised? <laughs> Have a perspective. We're in a spiritual war here. We're, 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 in, a, we're in a battle, and, and for them, a very real battle, but for us, a, spirit, a very real one, but a spiritual warfare nonetheless. And so we have to have a, a, a perspective of the bigger picture. You understand in this moment, his own son wanted him dead. He had bigger problems. He had bigger issues. And, and oftentimes what happens when we, we don't deal with criticism correctly is we get distracted from what we are ultimately more responsible for. We, we then drop other responsibilities. We then drop some of those other things that are more important and more, more needful for our attention. And, and again, one of the dangers when we're hurting under the weight of criticism it is a loss of perspective. It becomes all-consuming. Suddenly you forget about the other victories. Suddenly you forget about the, the, the good and the fruitful and those behind you and everything else. And you, you forget about all of the good that's happening surrounding you. Why? Because you've been consumed by the criticism. And so he's saying to, to his men, have some perspective. And when we don't, it dominates our thinking, it dominates our energy, it dominates uh, our preaching, our strategy, our prayer, our conversations. And what, we, what happens is we lose a form of godliness and we deny the power thereof. And sometimes we need to remember that what, what is happening is not the biggest thing in the world right now. And by doing so, we can take our own view of self down and look at things calmly. David, as the man after God's own heart, put it all in perspective. And so David said, this is, uh, this is, it's annoying. But actually, I've got bigger things to worry about. I've got the whole kingdom to worry about. I've got other things that are pressing upon me right now. And perhaps for you dads, you go through a time of criticism, you forget. You've got your family. You've got your children who are viewing and watching you. You've got those who, 
who look up to you in that sense that you need to be an example for. And yet, how often do we then allow that to overcome us? And this is merely a distraction that Satan is seeking to use, really to throw us off our task or off our mission. You know, the Bible tells us about our our enemy, that he's a roaring lion, isn't he? But you know, uh, he's a roaring one. So really, his roar is often worse than his bite. You know what a roar does? It shocks us and it distracts us. I know later on he seeks to devour you, the Bible says, but often the way he gets you first is he roars. He'll roar with a criticism. He'll roar with, a, with an antagonist. He'll roar with, a, with someone that, that um, might mean well, but they've become a bit of a distraction. And we have a, can I remind you tonight that even though Satan does that, that ultimately we have a defeated foe. And so we see that. But then notice again, he, he put it in perspective, but then he didn't make a rash decision. He, he considered the matter. Notice in verse 12, it may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. He understood that, that he, this, this had to play out. He couldn't make a rash decision. You know, he didn't abuse his power to just kill him off. Well, he could have, but he chose not to. And so by doing, doing this, he showed he was not proud or above hearing different points of view. And again, you've got to be careful. Remember that, that even if you're the one being slighted, you still have the potential of being wrong. Has that ever dawned on anyone else? We could be wrong. I think some people, that doesn't dawn on them for a while. And, and I know for a fact that many times I have to fight myself to think that, you know, you can have some righteous indignation, but what it is, it's actually self-righteous indignation. And it's pride. And I've found myself many times in that situation. And I've got I've to get that right before the Lord. And it's crucial in this here for leaders to understand. Listen, if we can't hear criticism and deal with it correctly... We are putting ourselves in a situation where we can't learn and we can't grow. And so we limit ourselves and we narrow our sphere and and we only choose then what feels good. But that doesn't grow anyone. Someone once said this, the price of leadership is criticism. And so if you don't want to be criticized, don't lead. True leaders run to the problem. And here David was wise because later Shimei, we won't take the time, would come back. Later in 2 Samuel chapter 19, we see that Shimei apologizes. And you know what? It made David look better. God elevated David in that situation. And when you can't hear it, you deny the opportunity for God to work things through in your life. And can, can I just remind you tonight? Criticism doesn't end God's working in your life. It, can, it, it actually it, it helps you prosper, but, but He's working that through. Sometimes God allows us to go through a process of pain, a process of being heavily criticized to shape us, to help us, to wake us up. Maybe it, because we're at a comfort level that we can't grow anymore. 
And so when you can't hear it, you deny that opportunity. You also deny this. You deny how to mend relationships. And, and really, what speaks most of the gospel in these situations is that God is in the ministry of reconciliation. And when we don't respond the way we should through, to criticism, we deny that witness of the gospel of mending relationships. You know, when we count people out for how they respond to us, for how they have said things to us, then we deny that very essence of the gospel of reconciliation, of mending relationships. And so we should not seek to inflame or dismiss it. What David saw, again, he saw the bigger picture, and by seeing, by seeing that, he saw God in the situation. When we see God and we, we, we allow God to go through the process of it, what we see is bad things are opportunities for good. And, and that's, that's leadership, really. You know, seeing the future, the good, all of that, that's God's heart. That's faith, not sight. It's like Joseph when he understood when his brothers finally came back uh, to Egypt and he revealed himself, what did he say? Man meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. But he could only find that out if he could view it the way God viewed it. And when we deal poorly with, with all of that, with, really with our own hearts, we reveal our selfish pride. But when we can lay them down in humility, we actually rise above them to great victory. And, and this is when what we saw in Psalm 119, when affliction turns to good. And David, David didn't presume, but he said, perhaps God will requite me good. In the future for this one, he, he, he looked beyond the current situation and he looked to what it could be. And I think he said it with genuine hope that it's not often, uh, not often that we can respond that way. He, he saw it with genuine hope and he saw it in faith. And, and you know, here's what I want to encourage you about tonight. You know, all of us here, we have the responsibility, but also we have the power in Christ to respond like David. And here's what I want to say. Keep walking. You, you'll get to a place of refreshing, but Huram actually even though it started as a place of criticism, ended up becoming a place of refreshment. And so keep walking. R refreshing is ahead, but only for those who deal with it right. And you may not have any control over the critic. You may, may not even have a full understanding of their intention in it, but you have control over how you respond. And how you take that. And from that, God can grow you, God can mature you, and God can help you get that refreshment that you need. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, dear God. Lord, for just the, just the practicality of your word. Thank you, Lord, that even in the most troubling things of life, Lord, you show us how we ought to respond. You show us and reveal for us that when we respond in certain ways that, that really it's a response that is not of you. But then when we respond as David did, that, that Lord, it's, it's your, your working 
and Lord, our, our faith in you that then produces something good in our lives. And so I pray that you'd help us as we, we really just had some introductory thoughts tonight and then as we look into more specifics in the next couple of weeks that you would help us, Lord, to guard our own hearts first and then, Lord, to, to see your point of view in these situations in our lives. In Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name, amen.